Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me. He's back, the shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barn Burner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. Actually heard London Parentes, former point guard for UVA, subscribe. So you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and shark at shark underscore ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. since Louisville because I did talk to you right after the game you were in some bad spirits talk to me you alive have you gotten over it yeah I've I've told many people that to bury me in Louisville that was brutal a horrible Thursday night I booked a one-way flight uh, from where I live in D.C. to get into Louisville so I could see the game. We had the tickets. We had great seats. The environment was incredible. I, you know, I didn't know this going into it, but Louisville is smack dab in the middle from – Louisville is smack dab in the middle from Knoxville and West Lafayette. So it was kind of an easy trip for, for both sides. And the way that arena was set up was – you know, on the lower levels, when you're watching on TV, obviously you can tell where the orange is. And sometimes if the way the camera's focused on the court, you you just know that the other fans are kind of below you, but they're out of your picture. And that's how it was there. Uh, but in the upper deck, which is where I was and where a lot of the Vols and Purdue fans were, I mean, it was just pockets left and right. You'd have, you'd be right in the middle of your, your section could be entirely split. And with the way that game was, obviously the first half wasn't very dramatic. It was a little bit back and forth at first. But in the second half, when we were just going tit for tat with Schofield versus Klein, you know, it, you know, I'm up out of my seat, I'm down out of my seat. I'm up out of my seat, I'm down out of my seat. And uh, it was a horrible ending to that story. Uh, after the game, you know, 4th Street is a nice street in Louisville. You, you got a whole bunch of bars. I remember we walked there. 
and they're playing the UVA Oregon game. They're playing the UVA Oregon game um, on this big screen, kind of sitting in the middle of the square. And we just sat there, put our head in our hands, turned around and closed up shop for the night. I might have to take some responsibility because last week when I was doing the intro, I typically always have a name ready, locked and loaded to go in an obscure name as to who subscribes. And I forgot, I forgot to do my homework. And so right on the spot, I actually said Ryan Klein. Ryan Klein was going to murder you. It's that's good. I mean, obviously I didn't, interrupt you today uh on your london parentes it's just because i'm a defeated man i'm dead there's no soul in my body right now um frankly shocked i've made it this full week but here i am uh lacing them up got a little bit of coal left in this engine but it's going to be very painful watching this final four this weekend um but at least i if i can take any solace and i don't take any solace here but Purdue suffered a worse one than I did on Saturday night. So I was going to ask you, does that ease the pain at all? Knowing that the team that gutted you got completely gutted. (laughs) The It it really doesn't actually. um, I don't, I don't take solace in that. Everything about Purdue is why we love the tournament. You know, this is, they're on their back end of this little mini run that they had with Carson Edwards going back to Swanigan and Haas and Harms. A lot of those guys were part of that, the same kind of era. And this is their last swing at it. And they have a lot of good freshmen on the team this year. But the fact that, you know, all the other years when they're supposed to be really good, when they're flirting with one seeds, they, they can't get over the hump, but it's this one year when nobody respects them and nobody expected them to be here that they just can't miss. They can't miss shots. And, they had, they had the perfect player in Carson Edwards and they'd get the perfect performances out of guys you wouldn't expect like Ryan Klein. And then they just had a team full of role players. They had energy guys and harms and, you know, then Eastern was just a terror to deal with on the court. Freaking Tyler Eifert's brother. It still hurts right now, as you can tell, but I, I, I was actually kind of pulling for him. Um, but after that, strangely watching that game was one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen both Tennessee. And I mean, I saw Tennessee in person, but the one against UVA that watching that on TV, I mean, I I still can't get over how UVA won that game. It it was a series of small, perfect events culminating together to make sure that they were able to send that into overtime. I mean, the way Jack salt tipped it back, the way Kaya Clark or whatever his name is, put that pass on a dime, right there for Diankate, I, I, I pronunciation, whatever, right there for him to catch it in the perfect spot with the perfect amount of time. It, it was incredible. And it's a long way of me saying that I had this realization, wow, super sad after Tennessee lost, flew into Louisville, flew back out of Knoxville. So, you know, we drove from Louisville to Knoxville on Friday morning down in the dumps. And I get to the, the bar at the Knoxville airport I'm sitting next to this guy. He's a Purdue fan, and uh, you know, we're just sh- we're just shooting the shit about the game. He's an older guy, he's a middle aged guy. I'm just shooting the shit about the game, and he says, "You know, I've been a fan my whole life. We never win games like that." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it really hurts right now." And he said, "You know, everybody breaks through at some point. You just kind of 
each school. And you can say that about UVA with how difficult it's been for UVA the past five, six years, Purdue, how difficult it's been for them. They can't get to that final four. I think they made it in the seventies or so. It's like, you know what? Eventually the time just comes and you're going to get these freak plays that go your direction or the freak Carson Edward call in the corner. I could have come out to this podcast and bitched and moaned and screamed and yelled about how that, you know, you're calling that foul, giving it three free throws to someone with two seconds left in the game right after he got a five second violation. I could have done that, but I'm not going to do it because I know deep down at some point your team breaks through. You just got to keep knocking on that damn door. No, it's true. First of all, you did come out with a very mature take. I was expecting you to, on a diatribe about that that call but maybe we can still save some time for it later in the show but he's right that old man at the bar that's sage advice right there because people teams do break through you look at virginia this year you had already mentioned that look at villanova past couple years right did anyone think let's say five years ago that jay wright would be sitting here in in 2019 with two national titles i don't think so uh even purdue right that guy probably wants a final four obviously but that was a team that they would be ranked as a top three seed in the tournament. And they, they wouldn't even make the second round. So the fact that they reeled off three of those incredible victories and I, it's, you know, moral victories aren't going to help, but they can hang their hat on essentially beating Virginia. They didn't, but playing them all the way to the wire. That's, that, that's breaking through for Matt Painter and Purdue. So you're right. Each team or that guy's right. I should say each team does break through. It's just a matter of one, right? When, when is that ever going to happen? Because patience runs thin because if it's just tough, you know, what makes it even tougher though is looking at some of these shitty teams that get to a final four and you're like, what the fuck? How do they, how do they get rewarded for absolutely zero years of fandom, right? You look at a team like Auburn. Don't, don't try and tell me that they're a basketball school. Three quarters of that school population probably didn't know who any of their players were. Didn't, didn't know who Okiki was like two months ago. All right. That's, that's, not, that's not true. That's not true. Auburn, they have good basketball fans. They really do. I, no, since Pearl's, since Pearl's been there, he's been there five years that they've compared to teams that are thirsting, Pavloving, salivating for a Final Four. I'm not putting Auburn in there, but okay. That's fine. Yeah, no, no. They, relative to Purdue, but like relative yeah. to pick certain. Uh, yeah, I'm. Rel- relative to to other teams that have yet. I mean, relative to UVA, right? Okay, fine. I'm not just gonna stay with Purdue. Though. Let me let me continue here. South Carolina. It might be that I'm picking on these SEC teams, but South Carolina has a Final Four. Loyola Chicago might have themselves a. Uh, a rabid fan base, but it's insane it, when you're sitting there year in and year out. If you're a Gonzaga fan prior to 2016, if you're a UVA fan prior to two weeks ago, if you're you, uh, you know, I've uh, Arizona's had a bunch of Final Fours, but not since 2001, I think. Right. So yeah. if you look at these teams, and that's what makes it tough. And that's why when someone says you just got to be patient, young grasshopper, you'll break through. You want to pour the fucking drink on their head. No. And I think there's something more, I mean, obviously it's hard to say, yeah, eventually you're going to break through because you can't point to anything tangible, you know, because college basketball, the rosters, the turnover is always there. So for, for a team like say Gonzaga, who for the longest time 
was, you know, the mid-major darling and, you know, high one seeds. Like eventually they break through when they have Zach Collins on their team. Zach Collins couldn't tell you anything about Kelly Olenek when they were a one seed a while ago. I, I really do think that there's something more kind of this mystique, this college basketball divine intervention that happens to these kind of jaded fan bases that have just been so snake bitten over the years that eventually at some point that college basketball kind of deity is going to come down and touch Carson Edwards and get him fouled and send him to the free throw line, or he's going to, you know, have Jack salt tip that ball out and have it have the perfect chain of events for them to put themselves in a position. Also another chain of event, hit that free throw at the end of the game. So they could cover the four and a half, which was a nice touch for me. But anyways, um, just there's something about it. There really is. And it has nothing to do with how hard a guy like Mark few or Matt Payne or any of those coaches can prepare some, the freshman that's coming in two years, but it really is. I think something special within the sport and this sport lends itself to it. Cause obviously uh, as we learn with your boys, eye on it doesn't matter how talented the team, the the players on the team are. It, It really matters how well the team plays as a unit. Yeah. And you're right. That's actually a perfect segue into Michigan State, Duke. Michigan State going to the Final Four yet again. What is that? Is those eighth Final Four? I think, yeah, I think it's Michigan State's 10th. Is those eighth? Yeah. Which I know. And honestly, if there, if there was anything I can take away from this experience, I used to always be it's all about titles. You got to have rings. But with how crazy the tournament is, I have a newfound respect for the amount of lead eights and Final Fours that schools make it to. And if you don't, it's kind of just such a, a simpleton opinion for you to not put any credence into that whatsoever. Cause that, that really is remarkable for you to get there that many times. It is. And it, like you said, it is a complete crapshoot. It's fucking tough, man. It is tough getting the other team's best shot in a do or die game. Like Virginia is getting every team's best shot in do or die games. They played the hottest, I would say the second hottest team in the country in Oregon. Cause I think the hottest team it's actually Auburn. Can't remember the last time that they lost. Yeah, but Virginia getting the the toughest shot every single game in a do or die scenario with that embarrassing loss the previous year in the back of their head. Right? You talk about this deity that's over college basketball in the tournament. I think that Kihei Clark pass gets tipped last year or any other year for Virginia. I think Ryan Klein maybe makes one less three, which would be the entire difference in the ball game. Right? So. But, we got we got a workshop what what this deity's called we got we got i think we have an idea here about what we're talking about but we got to really find find uh Gus Johnson yeah no it's fine he's still living but he actually he isn't calling games for the tournament he's not, he's not well, calling I, we'll, 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 not we'll think tank this we'll think tank this but you know you're right you're you're really right so i think um in terms so you want to you want to do you kind of the Elite eight games down the line. You want from the top left moving down. Oh, we're just talking shop, I guess. We're I mean, talking shop. All right. So let, let's, let's just let, we're, let's yeah, talk so. Duke because that game officially officially put me out of the running in the bracket. If I, I took a huge blow against with the Kentucky game, Kentucky Auburn, but Duke was the one that buried me because I did have Duke winning the national title on last episode. I actually explained how. I thought when filling out the bracket that everyone was going to have the mindset that everyone else was going to pick Duke to win the title. 
So that's when I just snuck in through the back door and said, okay, I'm going to actually take Duke. And then they just got beat by Cassius Winston, man. Incredible, incredible ball player, incredible team. And I tweeted this when they lost in Bloomington. I said, I want to take Michigan State to the Final Four because of Cassius Winston, but I also might take them losing in the first round because they can't beat a team like Indiana at all during the regular season. Fascinating dichotomy. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm surprised I didn't see uh, your Subi eliminated from his bracket go on the bottom line of Sports Center or have Anderson Cooper lead his evening news in that because it's such compelling information that I'm sure everybody was curious about. Um, but, anyways, I, I mean, it's, I'm being sarcastic. If you can. 25 bucks, time to drink. Yeah, well, move on. Uh, it, it was a good game, but it really did to me, magnify the difference between, you know, I know I already touched on this a little bit, a team playing as a team versus individuals playing on a team, which for Duke, they didn't have, really have much offensive flow at all. Uh, it was kind of awkward with Cam Reddish out there. He wasn't involved at all. It was a lot of just rely on Zion's athleticism and he played great. I mean, I'm not going to hate on him. He played great against them. He played great against Virginia tech. He was awesome in the tournament. And I, I'd be a fool to Preston Blank, Blake on that right now. I initially pressed in Blake in the beginning saying, I think he's going to struggle in the NBA, which will remain to be seen. I, I, I mean, it doesn't look good right now, but we'll, we'll see. I think so much of what he does, he needs to get a jump shot. Um, I, I think he is going to end up being a, a, I think I described him as Draymond Green meshed with Blake Griffin and Rodney Rogers' body. That's what I see out of Zion Williamson. Um, but anyway, I, I, I don't want to spend this time Preston Blaking right now. But Duke, just what a disappointing, disappointing finish for them. They, I think they were 0-4 against the spread in every single game this tournament. That shows that the expectations are just not being met. They, they didn't live up to their height. And you could tell just by going back to the UCF game, they, they, they had to scramble there. Virginia Tech, they, they played much better at the end of that first half and into the second half. But Tech had them on the ropes. And, you know, they, they really just did not look like the team that deserved to win it this year. Um, Michigan State, on the other hand, they, it's funny with them, you know, they, they're so banged up. Langford out. I mean, obviously Nick Ward was able to play a little bit, but he definitely wasn't his full self. Cassius Winston, who really just looks like he's kind of chubby out there. He doesn't look like a great athlete, but he hits huge shots. And no, then he looks yeah. like the Ashley Larry from Chappelle Show. That's who he looks like. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Um, who hit the huge shot at the end of the game? The three to put him up. Uh, it was Goins. Was it Goins? Yeah, which I think another guy was someone – he, yeah, it was Goins. Senior, he was like a preferred walk-on at the school. Uh, didn't give a he, – he passed up other scholarships just to go play at Michigan State and hits that huge shot at the end of the game to put him up. I mean, that's the shit that's awesome. It's not awesome to see Cam Reddish and, you know, R.J. Barrett just slash to the lane and hope something works for him. So, I mean, most underrated stat out there. I tweeted it out right after it happened, but Coach K – has only made two final fours in the last 16 years. I know that stat's gotten some circulation over the past few days, but that is insane. 16 years. He's only made two final fours. Granted, he won the championship both those years. Um, but still that is, that, that is crazy. 
I love that, that that we're talking about this on the heels of saying how difficult it is to win in the tournament, get to Elite Eights and Final Fours. But to be fair, the guy's got a plethora of McDonald's All-Americans that always come through. So I didn't know that, though. That is that is insane. I could have sworn Coach K was in the Final Four at some point more often than twice in the past past 16 years. No, I mean, you, you a, a sophomore in high school this year would have been born when Duke won the national championship and that sophomore would only have seen them win one championship in their lifetime and one other final four. That's it. Sophomores are 16, right? Well, wait, is that math correct? The first time the, they won in 2010 against Butler. Yeah. And then, and then 2004. Uh, no, 2005. They won. Oh, you're talking to if you won in 2004. Yeah. Okay, so that that child saw one in two thousand five, and then saw the Butler one when they were, you know, coming of age, and that's it. That's all they've oh, ever seen. No, they beat Wisconsin too. That's the point I'm making. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. So they had the Wisconsin one. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. The thing about this Duke team was, and this was a question that was posed last week, but also by a few other people. Does Zion being so likable and good? make you like this Duke team? Because it's pretty obvious that a lot of people don't like Duke across the country. There's a whole 30 for 30 on why people hate Christian Leitner narrated by Rob Lowe for, I have zero idea why Rob Lowe is narrating that, but good be if you want to watch it. But I found myself in that UCF game. I found myself saying, yeah, maybe I am rooting a little bit for Duke. I was rooting for UCF to win. I, I, don't get me wrong. I wanted UCF to win. But it wasn't like every other year where I was vehemently rooting for UCF. It wasn't like I was completely dismayed or shocked or upset that they didn't get that tip in. Same thing with Virginia Tech, because I wanted to continue to see Zion play. But then I took a step back and looked at it holistically. And I was like, yeah, while that may be true, these past two games have served as a nice, fat slap in my face as to why we all hate Duke because they're born with the biggest fucking horseshoe up their ass. UCF and, and Vatek, they should have never even been in the position to play that Elite Eight game against Michigan State. You can make the argument, and I might have even made the argument, that, oh, this is what good teams do. They find ways to win. No. <laughs> those were two point-blank misses that both of those players for UCF and, and Vatek have hit in warm-ups, in games, every single day of their lives playing basketball. So it kind of served as a reminder for me that, hey, take it easy on how much you may want to like Duke because these two games are proof positive that they have made a deal with the devil, right? And that this is why we hate them. So it was nice to see a guy like like Izzo in Michigan State. Now, and somehow Izzo has become a villain because of, uh, of the finger-pointing thing that happened a couple of weeks ago. I'm not even going to talk about the, the Larry Nassar case because some people might bring that up, but people all of a sudden don't like Izzo. I'm not in that camp. You can put me squarely outside of that camp. I'm very happy for Michigan state. And it was nice, even though I know you don't give a shit. I know Anderson Cooper, you know, he doesn't care. Bottom line of sports center doesn't care that I had Duke winning the whole thing. It was one of the few years where my champion not getting to the final four, I was perfectly okay with. Yeah. And I, to kind of take it in turn for me, I didn't start to like Duke because the Zion played for him. I, I mean, if anything, I think that I, I can see where other people are coming from. The average college basketball fan, the average basketball fan might be more drawn to the team with the most exciting player, but 
for someone that's deep in the trenches like myself, I'm not going to be flipped just because there's something, you know, new and fancy on the other side. I'm going to stay true to my roots, which is not I mean, liking that team. Generational talent. He's generational talent. It, it took a guy like Zion Williamson who might be, I think Sonny Vaccaro was saying that he's going to be like an 18 year old billionaire with his shoe deal and whatever he makes in the NBA at 18 years old. It takes that type of talent for me to even consider being okay with Duke. Yeah, couldn't even make a final four as that type of talent. So, I mean, let's put things in perspective. He's cool. He can jump really high. He's very athletic. He makes fancy passes, but generational, your beard is generational. He could barely beat, he could barely beat UCF. He could barely get by Virginia tech. He lost to Michigan state. I mean, he's 30 in those games. What do you want him to do? Win the, win the game. If you want to call him a generational talent. He is. I disagree. He will, he's he will a great athlete. Generational talent. See, great indirectly, you're still you're still Blaker, which is insane. What are, we, what are we what are we crowning this guy for? Like he's cool, he's something new, but bookending the, the this this podcast, this these these episodes with you, hey, it's like I've never I've never seen so much credit given for someone that lost in the Elite Eight. It's remarkable. And it's not just you. It's like the media at large. It's people are saying he's like the greatest at that basketball player we've ever seen. I'll tell you one thing. If LeBron James played for Duke when he was 18 years old, I guarantee they would have won the national championship. Hey, I'm with you on that. I don't think that – I think those comparisons are dumb. I'd much rather LeBron James out of high school than Zion one year out of Duke. So, yeah. you, know what right. else was, you know what else was thrilling for me, though? This was essentially a win for me. Can you guess? I think you know. Gonzaga going down. That's Christmas to me, baby. It's a beautiful, beautiful sight every year, especially when they get a number one seed. Because I can't – it's just insane to me how people fall for this. Minus 20, the 2016 year. They don't play anyone, man. They don't fucking play anyone. And then they go – okay, yeah, they played Duke earlier in the season. Fine. But I'm talking about on a consistent, regular basis. And that's why I like you could clearly see the team that had played better competition and who was just a better team locked down defensively in Texas Tech won that game. Tech plays big time games every single game or every other game at least in the Big 12. And I'm just so happy they stuffed their face. And Josh Perkins, man, I, I started this tournament saying that uh, Scotty, what's his name? Scotty James for Liberty. Yeah. Right. I started saying he was my least favorite player in the tournament. It's Josh Perkins for sure. Josh Perkins is such a little bitch ass punk. He was he, he was doing some bush league nonsense against Florida State, and then I'm glad it resulted in a technical. But reaching over the line and batting the ball on an inbounds, what an idiot! So I'm just so thrilled Gonzaga lost. I love this Texas Tech team. It's not like I had to compromise anything. Gonzaga being out, Chris Beard gets to the Final Four. It was a great day. Great day. I came away from that game extremely impressed with Texas Tech. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen a team that kind of in sync with one another defensively than they are. If, they, if the opposing team has the ball, the, the Texas Tech, everyone in that lineup from Matt Mooney to Ty, Tariq Owens, they have this uncanny ability to just get deflections or knock it away. I saw one play where Hachimura is going for a post up and Francis just like adeptly reached around and picked his pocket from this crazy angle. I just don't know how they do it. I was against them when they played Buffalo. I was a big Buffalo backer and 
they just suffocated them. Their defense is incredible. And offensively, they're getting what they need right now. And they're so good at making, uh, I call them kind of deflating, demoralizing shots, shot clock winding down under five seconds. They either draw a foul or they hit a huge bucket. Davide Moretti, your boy hit some huge shots against Gonzaga. And as a Gonzaga backer, I know you talked about it last week with Baker. I mean, you guys, I mean, putting that aside, the guy went, comes on the podcast, he picks four games. He goes over four. He didn't even pick them against the spread. (laughs) Like he could have just picked the favorites, you idiot. No one's putting in any of those picks there. The guy goes over four. And you guys want to tease me about picking Gonzaga to win it all. No, that's fine. You guys have been doing it for a while. And I'll tell you this, like, I'm not, I'm not here to use my bracket to validate my fanhood, I'm trying to pick winners. All right. It's nothing personal. I'm just trying to pick winners. I was concerned about Tennessee. I was apprehensive about them from the beginning of the year. If you recall on the very first episode that we did here, I said that, look, I think we're overranked. I really do. Cause I think the talent is limited and I think we were in for a tough road. We struggled down the stretch every single close game. We had a hard time yet. I still thought we would get out of that East region and I thought that we would beat North Carolina because we played them the previous year. I was wrong. I'm sorry. But for you guys to come up here and question my fanhood, you think you don't think I'm a fan? Once you go back to 2014, 2013, when I'm sitting courtside and I'm getting up, I'm getting up in Marshall Henderson's face. I'm waiting two hours before the game even starts. I'm flying one way to Louisville. You guys can go fuck yourself. I, I don't think you're a fan, actually. I still don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's sheep like you guys that no, anyone. Anyone that thinks that just because you're a fan of a team, you have to immediately advance. And that's an insult to people that care about college basketball. You pick the games as you see it. All right. I get in the freaking war room. I crunch the numbers and I was wrong this year. So you guys can point at all the stats. I was dead wrong about a lot of my picks. That's fine. I had a bad year. But. So do I get that? Hold on. Do I get that free pass then for picking Virginia and being correct in taking them to the final four? My only or correct final four pick, by the way. There's a, there's a difference in what you're teasing me for and what I called you out for. You, you were, see, Your base is that you're picking winners. That was my whole job, and that, that's all I cared about in the East region. But it's, the only difference is I wasn't you, you know, standing on the table saying, UVA, I'm not going to believe in them when the tournament comes. I'm not going to believe in them when the tournament comes. That's the only difference. I wasn't standing on the table saying, Tennessee, I believe this is a year. Tennessee, this is a year. That's the difference. So I, you, you, you were perplexed how Gonzaga was a one seed and Tennessee wasn't. Yeah, I see. I see you're really going back to the well on that one tweet I sent out a lot. Maybe if you can get a few more, a few more works out of it, it might work this time on me. But yes, I did tweet that, and I still believe that. I think on a neutral Tennessee should have been a one seed over Gonzaga because they played on a neutral court and we won. And they lost. We played a harder schedule. I mean, that should be simple, but that doesn't make me automatically advance. I, I don't have to. Again, I'm calling it validate my fanhood to you schmucks, you bums. I don't give a shit what you think about my fanhood of this team. Okay. I was wrong. Look, Gonzaga and Tennessee are out. I was wrong about a lot of stuff this year. I was wrong about Buffalo. I was wrong about Iowa State. I'm always wrong about Iowa State. Okay? <laughs> we can all point things I'm wrong about. Don't That's come right. here and tell me that I'm not a fan. Well, I'm just and you know whispering, what? Yeah. whispering in our listeners' ears. This is how you trigger the shark right here. You take notes. This right here. I'm not. I, I mean, it's over. All right, it's over. If there's a punishment, if if it's karma, I I got it. Okay, I got it. When I was walking out of the Yum Center after Carson Edwards coming to the free throw line with two seconds left for something that was unwarranted, I got the karma. Okay, you guys win. 
I got it from Ryan Klein hitting shots that I've never even imagined someone doing, doing a step back in front of a two-time SEC player of the year, step back three, every single time. Do you know that game was tied with seven minutes left in the game? The game was tied. Seven the minutes man. left. And we're on the run. It was 18 with like five minutes before that. No, and then the, the, every single time we went up, every single time we went up, it was Klein. If he misses yeah. one, if Klein misses one, if Klein jams his finger, it's over. You probably uh, should have a point. You may have just had to intentionally foul so they only get two points per possession. <laughs> that might have just worked right there. Hey, actually, real quick, I, I want to go back on this game because the best part about it was a lot of times these games, it takes a monumental comeback, and then with maybe 30, 45 seconds, a minute left, the other team ends up winning. This game was a monumental comeback, and like you had mentioned, with seven minutes, those last seven minutes was just body blow for body blow. Haymakers back and forth. It was a close game for a decent portion of that second half. My real question, though, is what was your initial reaction when the game was tied with one second left and Rick Barnes drew up that inbounds play to timeout? At that point, um, I think I can speak for most of all the fans. I've seen the reaction uh, from people afterwards kind of making fun of them, which is understood. But for most of us, we were just so deflated at that point that we were actually going to overtime. So it was more of a, I'm sitting in my chair, my head in my hands, Johnny Cash style, as I watch this unfold in front of me. So I didn't really comprehend it. Uh, once we, frankly, we, we all expected it was going to be overtime. And really, you got one second. You got to do the Leitner, if anything. Um, yeah. It's probably not going to happen. But, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what can you say? It didn't work. I, I like the idea of it. I mean, if you could have got that with like 0.7 I, seconds left, like why not? You know what I mean? No, I, I just, they didn't I think, execute I, quickly enough. I think Cass needed to get over half court though. Like you can't, there was zero time for Grant Williams to get the ball in front of half court, make a pass and then call a timeout. But I digress. And again, you're right. Hug for Texas tech, incredible defensive effort. I'm excited to see how they play in the final four somehow still, criminally underrated with the storylines of Virginia and Michigan state, but that Michigan state, Texas tech game, Lord have buttermilk. That is going to be an incredible, incredible game. I'm excited to see, see that one. So why don't we look forward to this final four? And instead of starting on that side, do I have the matchups, right? It's Auburn, Virginia tech, Michigan state, right? Yeah, so let's keep going. Let's talk about Virginia-Purdue, then we'll do Auburn-Kentucky, then we'll do the Final Four matchups. So Virginia-Purdue, we, we discussed it a little bit already. Insane. Not the fact that they came back and won, that they covered. That is insane because they, they went up one point with, I think, twenty sec- or 26 seconds left, right? Yeah, and I, I can't even – I think we shouldn't even talk about this – a lot because there's so many things we could get bogged down on. I mean, the story of the second half for UVA was Kyle guy just coming to life for the first time in this tournament, hitting huge shots left and right. Uh, I actually saw him on the streets of Louisville when I was there, he was walking with his family, very petite, very small looking man. Um, but yeah. he, he Bad was, ratio that needs to be called out too. a lot of gums on Kyle guy. There is, but I mean, whatever he's got going on, it's working for him because he hit some huge shots and actually uh, I'm still not over it. There was a screenshot that was floating around Twitter where Kyle guy got the essentially exactly what Lamonte Turner did to 
Carson Edwards on the foul three. Someone did that to Kyle Guy. I forget who it was. It was probably Carson Edwards, and they didn't call the foul. So, what? I mean, that, that's that, 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 that's out there, and uh, but you can chew on that if you want. But that game, there, there's really there's no way to. It's probably the best game we've seen in the tournament since Villanova, North Carolina national championship. Chris Jenkins shot right, and it's in the top ten of all time. I would say no doubt about it. Just because Edwards, it was the the biggest heat checking performance I, I think I've ever seen. Everything he tossed up, banks, step backs, contested by the best defensive team in the country, didn't matter. He's he's gotten the Steph Curry treatment in the sense that people. I remember an interviewer told him, like, "Hey, do you know the last person to put together this many straight games in in tournament history with like thirty plus points or twenty five plus points, something like that?" Was Steph Curry, and he was shocked. But if you really looked at him, the second he stepped over half court, he was a threat. And he was going to gun it like Steph Curry was, which is that makes for incredible college basketball NCAA tournament theater. And Carson Edwards brought it. I actually thought he kind of faded a little bit against Tennessee, but right at that moment, that's when Ryan Klein stepped up. This game, though, with a chance to go to the Final Four, holy shit, man. He was incredible, an absolute legend. And the weird part, I guess an interesting part for Carson Edwards is he probably had every intention going into this tournament to come back to Purdue and after a long run say, hey, we're going to be missing Eifert's brother and and Ryan Klein, but we have majority of our squad coming back, including me, your best player. If you're Carson Edwards, you have to – it's not going to get better than this, right? You're, there's no way your stock is going to be as high. Yeah, I, I mean, there are some – they're they're – pretty young like a lot of those guys that came off the bench they're all freshmen that hunter guy i think the wheeler guy was but you're right i mean you're it's never gonna get better i'd go to the draft if you can try to carve out a career in the nba as if you're you know yogi ferrell or lou williams something like that yeah isaiah thomas yeah maybe diakite though hell of a game from him too love that cisco looking dude i and again diakite has does not have much touch around the rim and he hit a very difficult, like, sort of running half floater to tie the game and send it to overtime, man. Yeah, like that, uh, it's crazy. And like you talk about, yeah, you can even talk about what you and I have been debating all year, whether or not you foul when you're up three at the end of the game. And sure enough, apparently Ty Jerome wasn't trying to miss that free throw either. He just happened to miss it in the perfect way where Salt can tip it back and it, I mean, it's incredible. And even then, it's like, I guess you can still make the same argument that you and I are making where you, I mean, it's still foul. You need all these crazy things to happen for it to work out. But it is, uh, what a game. What a game. I mean, All-time game. And it's it's tough to see. I think Mark Titus had a great tweet about it. He was saying, whoever wins this got, gets the monkey off their back. Whoever doesn't is forever labeled a choke artist and a terrible coach and like obviously it was tongue in cheek, but man, Matt Painter, dude, that, you, that's the worst part is when you have it. Like, I think it's a much easier pill to swallow to just get beat by seven, eight, 10 points, or you're losing pretty much the entire game. You can't ask for a better scenario. The ball goes all the way back to the other side of the court and they still somehow drop a bucket in your eye. Yeah. Just terrible. All right, so the final game, um, what's at the Midwest Regional? It was Auburn, Kentucky. Auburn. Uh, Auburn is just rolling right now. Bruce Pearl, I, 
how could probably the most coveted head coach for, for as a fan that you would want as your head coach, right? Who, who else would you want other than that guy? He's great in interviews. He's energetic. He's constantly, uh, you know, in your face, memeable, and he's an awesome, awesome head coach. He gets these guys playing in a way that the league, the college basketball hasn't caught up to, but it's kind of the way the NBA plays now. So it's probably going to be way college basketball plays in a few years and he's just doing it. And he, he's got the players love him. You can tell. Um, yeah, I, the, the game was awesome. Jared Harper was incredible. Bryce Brown was incredible. It doesn't matter who's on Auburn. Everyone plays with 110%. Uh, they all make big shots if they need to. And they're not intimidated by anyone. That team, who they are. That team is hotter than Kap- Kelly Kapowski to like in, in the early 90s, mid 90s, man. That team is hotter than asphalt in the summer here in Phoenix, that team would make that team right now is going to make Brett Michaels do his little purr that you hear in step brothers. Right. You know, that quick little scene where he goes, that's well, what, and that's what he's looking at Auburn right now. He's going, well, it's from, that's from rock of love, but it's, it is played in step brothers. Famous in step brothers. Correct. That's what, that's how good and hot Auburn is right now. I love and, you for that refie right there. They made me do it. <laughs> like I, I want to focus on Auburn. This team just plays a million miles an hour, shoots the absolute leather off the ball from three point land. You can't, you can't be playing any better than you are right now. You said Bruce Pearl, amazing coach emotions out the ass, obviously with the Okiki injury. And it's tough. A lot of people want to maybe say, Oh, ha Pearl, you know, he went, he's crying and stuff, but that's, that's emotional in that game right then and there after absolute tail whipping, by the way, of Carolina. Then I also want to talk a little bit about Kentucky, though, in this game, because make no mistake about it, they lost that game. For as much credit as I want to give Auburn and Pearl, I think Kentucky only scored one point from the free throw line and had zero threes in the second half. I think they had one point combined at the line and three point in the second half. How does that happen? How in the world does that even come close to happening, man? They could like they they completely combusted, and it's it's sad because they they were cruising to the final four. They were up twelve against Auburn, and they they essentially just they let them back in the game. I'll tell you how it happens. First half, I, so it's actually the story starts back in the game against Houston. Tyler Hero hits a huge shot at the end of the game against Houston. After the game, someone gives an interview, I forget who it was, and they say Hero's got huge nuts or something like that, commenting on the fact that he made that huge shot. Flash forward to the Auburn game, first half, Hero hits a three. As Hero is running down the court, he does the the nuts dance that you see in Major League, you know, that you got no marbles, and Pedro Serrano is running around the bases, and he's dropping his, his hands underneath his nuts. Hero does that, Okay. And then I, I think he proceeds to miss every single shot that he has in the rest of the game, showing that he does not have cojones, nuts, anything. Hero, premature dancing over there, completely got the team ice cold. Ashton Hagens couldn't cover anyone on the on help side defense. He had like seven turnovers. P.J. Washington is the their only hope on offense because Reed Travis has the – the college game of a 40 year old center in the NBA. Like he's basically a football player. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, come on, Travis, you don't like, I get that your knee hurts and I get that you're big and you're kind of like a ground and pound big man, but you don't have to like act like you're a 38 year old man on the court. You know, you don't have to you, you know, have the facial expressions and general slow movement as if you are this old guy. I mean, you're 22 years old. He is old in the college basketball. World, so. I guess, but, I, I, but he, it's like he's taking on the character of the old guy on the team when in reality it's like, dude, you're like two years older than these guys. Come on. Um, but I mean, that's a, the, the role player. If you want to call him the role players, the good players on Kentucky just didn't have a good, good game other than PJ Washington, which was nice for him to have a good game because he was the guy that missed all the free throws last year. But, you know, wasn't meant to be for the, for the boys down in Lexington. Did you see that? I don't know. It's one of those like big sheets that, people will spray paint on game day and hang outside of their fraternities or whatever. Yeah, the Okiki thing. Pretty fucked up. Well, that's right it, there. That's big. Karma. What, what did it say? Like it, it was, Okiki. it was a picture of him on like a knee scooter thing. And it said, Okiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Yeah. Like the Drake. I mean, it's like, come on, laugh a little, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the thing is it backfired because all the Auburn guys saw it. And yeah. Yeah. I know also, Bryce Brown. How have we how have we yet to discuss this fucking Okiki coming in at halftime? If if that's not the most premeditated thing I've ever seen, oh, that's, Auburn could have got Bruce Pearl's sweaty paws written all over it. Hundred That is, I mean that Okiki probably couldn't even read the game plan because Pearl was just profusely sweating over it. Like he's drawing it out on a napkin, dude, or he's drawing it out on his hand, and he accidentally like wipes his hand off on on his forehead, like that guy in Ocean's Eleven when he's going in the little guy. He's going in, wipes his hand off, and it, I'm just saying Bruce Pearl's sweating. That's all. But that was so premeditated that – I mean, I'm telling you, they could have been up 25. Okiki, Okiki was coming back. That, he was going to be on that bench. Uh, I, I think he almost – he had it timed. You know, he's like like the bat signal. He knows it. Right, Okiki, it's time. Like so he's got someone. Maybe it's Burgomaster on the bench. So calling to call into the hospital to get Okiki. Oh, we're down for it. Let's do it now. You know, let's do it now. But I, I mean, to go back to Pearl sweating, I think that the 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 meme, the gif of him right now, of him shaking his head like a rabid dog. I mean, I think that puts our debate between who sweats more, him or Buzz Williams, to rest. Right, that's the knockout punch. <laughs> He's got shoulder pads sweat, man. It's insane. But you know how every assistant coach or every coach, I should say, has an assistant or someone on the bench whose sole job is to, let's say, take stats. Sole job is to see how many shots the other point guard's taken. Like, very concentrated jobs specifics. I guarantee you there was a man on that bench whose job it was to look at the time, get a kiki on speed dial, call his ass and get him in saying, okay, right now it's the time. And I bet Okiki was just waiting for it. I bet, he, I bet he just wanted to like, he, I bet Okiki probably just wanted to just be on the sideline the whole game or be in the hotel the whole game. Like, why are you wheeling me around, dude? This sucks. Yeah. I, that was one of those games where it was like, if Auburn was in the game with less than eight minutes left, Auburn's winning that game just because they seem to have the the kind of destiny surrounding them and Kentucky 
just give, gives off vibes of being somewhat mentally weak. And it, it showed itself against Houston. Fortunately, uh, Hero was able to hit that huge shot. And, you know, P.J. Washington was huge at the end of the game against Houston. But Kentucky, there's just something about them that said they, they didn't want to face a team from their same conference who they actually beat the shit out of earlier in the year. But it's a crazy Final Four. So uh, Auburn clearly is the odd man out when you're looking at the uh, style of play of these three teams in the final four. Um, we'll see. if I, they can. Yeah. Let's, let's take a look at the, this final four and we'll start with Auburn there. I mean, can we agree that we're both rooting for Auburn to win this thing, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Because there's a little bit of love that I got to show to Auburn as well, because they're trying to become the first team since Arizona in 97 to knock off the winningest college basketball programs, which is Kansas, Carolina, and Kentucky. So I want them to, to join that elite group. And they were, Arizona was also a five seed. So, uh, But yeah, we'll start with, with Auburn and Virginia as the matchup. Unstoppable force meets a movable object, right? You got Virginia's incredible defense versus Auburn's incredible offense. Sadly, I think this is going to be the end of the road for Pearl. And I think Virginia, it just seems like Virginia, I actually am picking Virginia to win the whole thing now, like of these four. I think they're going to come out victorious. But boy, how are you handicapping this game? So the spread's five and a half, I think. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to stay away from the game. It's an absolute crapshoot because if Auburn's not making their threes, they're going to, they're going to have a very difficult time. Now the problem is they've been making their threes for the better part of like a month and a half now. Um, And if they are making their threes, can UVA keep up with them? I don't know. UVA, they might have a difficult time. So when it comes to picking the game, I think the obvious safe pick is to go with UVA, but there's just something about this Auburn team that draws me to them but I, I'm with you. I, I will take UVA, but be rooting for Auburn. Absolutely rooting for Auburn. That's, that's a no-brainer. That being said, let's go to the other half. Michigan State, Texas Tech, man. Holy shit. I, you know how in the Final Four, I don't know if they do this on CBS, but at some point they televise the practices. I want to be front row for a Chris Beard practice. I want to be front row for that culture type practice that defense type practice man i want to see them rotating every single possession i want to see chris beard get up matt mooney's ass for for not jumping a passing lane that is my basketball porn right there a lot of people don't like defensive basketball texas tech playing defense is the mona lisa all right of of basketball defense as as it is right now i'd love to see their practice but texas tech michigan state man you got a team in Texas Tech who's playing, I would say, most consistently, uh, maybe outside of Virginia, but they're playing incredibly – like they're beating the hell out of teams. These games aren't even close that Texas Tech is playing. Maybe it was safe for Gonzaga, but they beat them for Gonzaga standards somewhat handily. I think you got Michigan State. Well, I don't know. I still don't know which team might show up, the team that lost to Indiana, or is it the team that had a collective team effort in beating Duke? I, I, have, I have zero clue which way I'm leading in this game because I selfishly, I want a very, I, I want an awesome matchup between Virginia and Michigan state, 
if Virginia is going to win, but I could absolutely see Texas Tech winning this game. Yeah, I'm taking Texas Tech. I think uh, I am. T- Tech's going to be my pick here. It's a two and a half. Michigan State is favored by two, two and a half right now, depending on where you look. Um, but at some point, you just got to stop. You, you, for me, at least, I got to stop not believing in Texas Tech. You can look at their team. They play so well together. I think the one issue they may have is front court depth if, uh, if Owens gets into foul trouble because, you know, Michigan State's big and beefy and Owens is a, is a very skinny guy. I know that because he played at Tennessee his freshman year. And then trans- he's transferred like three times, this guy. It's a goddamn journeyman in college basketball. But he made that, he had that play uh, against Gonzaga where he blocked the shot and then he saved it while it was going out of bounds. And it looked awesome, but he blatantly stepped out of bounds and they didn't review it. But anyways, um, yeah, so Tech. Tech's the pick for me. I, I try to, when you look at kind of common opponents that they've played, Texas Tech's actually played a couple Big Ten teams. Um, they played a school called Nebraska. Nebraska early in the year. I thought they played Michigan early on in the year. They played Michigan two rounds ago. I know that. But, yeah, so they played Nebraska when Nebraska was pretty good, beat the bag out of Nebraska. And, obviously, they played Michigan. And Michigan was a team that always seemed to match up fairly well with Michigan State but can never really get over the hump of them. Um, And I think Texas Tech is kind of just a similar type team to Michigan, and they beat the shit out of Michigan. So I think they're going to make the leap over Michigan State. Yeah, I think – I want to at the very, it's so close. I want to be devil devil's advocate, but I agree with you that at some point we just need to open our eyes to what Texas tech truly is. And that's a hell of a team. We need to open our eyes to what Chris Beard is. And that's an incredible coach. These guys are going to be around for a good amount of time. They're going to consistently challenge Kansas for the big 12 title moving forward. Some teams like you got, you got Iowa state. They might, they're going to have some down years where a year where they have like only 20 wins or so, right? There's going to be Kansas state. Who's going to fluctuate. The only real consistent team, and they've been remarkably consistent, is Kansas. I think Texas Tech, if Chris Beard stays, because he's going to get some serious offers, but if Chris Beard stays, he's well on his way to building a very, very good team and a solid team, a consistent team that you can pen in as a three to four seed at the very lowest in Texas Tech. So I'll take Texas Tech winning this game as well, strictly because of the defense. So does that both have us with Texas Tech, Virginia in the title game? Does and we're probably both picking Virginia as well. I'm picking Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So am I, just because I don't think they they, they, they haven't played their best game yet. They they really haven't. And you always get your best one in the tournament, and you know deficiencies get magnified in the final four. For me, it's just I I like UVA's matchup against Auburn just because they defend the, the three so well. And Tony Bennett's such a phenomenal coach at doing the right thing to put his players in position to stop the three. And he, he was successful against, you know, the North Carolinas and other good teams like that in the ACC Yeah, but against Texas tech. I, I think it's just going to be, there's more firepower on offense for UVA between Jerome. What's that? Sorry, go ahead. No, between Jerome Guy and just DeAndre Hunter hasn't played a good game yet in the tournament. That that's going to happen, and it'll be awesome to watch DeAndre Hunter versus uh, what's his freaking name? I already lost his name, Jared Culver, because uh, those guys they're probably competing for who's going to be the fourth pick in the draft at this point. Um, yeah, 
between those two. So it would be good to see. I think the only reason I was kind of hoping you would pick Michigan state because there's something funky about that line to me because they're playing, obviously the final four is in Minnesota. So all the Michigan state fans, they should be able to pack that arena, especially when it's not huge fan bases that are in the final four. So there's going to be a home court advantage. I think for Michigan state, at least a public perception that there's going to be a home court advantage. I'm not putting it past those crazy motherfuckers down in Lubbock to find their way up to Minneapolis because when they played in, uh, I think it was in Tulsa and, and I know that's closer to Lubbock, but they played in Tulsa against Buffalo and that was a home game for Texas tech. There was a ton of fans there. At least that's how it sounded on TV. And I actually kind of think what else are 30,000 students in Lubbock going to do this weekend? I mean, this is a once in a life. And I kind of want to bring this up at the end of the show here, but if you have, if your team's ever in sweet 16, or your team's ever in the final four or in a tournament game, and you have the means to go do it, go to a different city that you've never been to a unique place. You have to do it. I mean, I was there. I was in Louisville for like not even 24 hours. I was so depressed. We had to leave, but there was a 25 minute stretch when Admiral was making that, those shots and driving the lane and the crowd is up and you have people in this unique town where you're not from, but everyone's all joined by one common cause that 25 minute stretch. I was on top of the world. I'm going to be chasing those 25 minutes for the rest of my life. So if you have the chance, if you're a tech fan or if you're a freaking UVA fan or an Auburn fan and you can get up there and not spend, you know, spend what you have to, you got to do it because I'm going to be, uh, that was just 25 minutes for me. Imagine what you get if you win. Imagine that. Yeah. That's a good PSA. I would, I would endorse that PSA as well. But yeah, I think we're looking at, Texas Tech, Virginia for the title. You mentioned DeAndre Hunter real quick. I've been caping for this guy. I've been saying Virginia is going to – I used him as justification for why they're getting to the Final Four, and somehow they got there in spite of him because he really hasn't been playing that well. He was kind of booty crumbs the other day. I forget. I think it was the Sweet 16 matchup. Oh, yeah, against Oregon. just wasn't that good. So I'm hoping for DeAndre Hunter to, to snap out of it. But at the same time, I'm not because I want Auburn to win. The only thing that I don't want to happen, and I don't know why I'm hearkening back to this particular Final Four game. It just resonates with me as it pertains to Auburn, Virginia. I don't want it to be that Villanova versus Oklahoma game where Villanova just beat the absolute hell out of Oklahoma. That was the Buddy Heel team, Kadeem Latin. I mean, Virginia – Villanova won by 40 plus, I think. Yeah. Or even last year. You think, you think about last year, uh, Kansas, Kansas lost to Villanova. Villanova just beats the hell out of teams in the final four. If you think about it. So I just, I, I, I need a competitive game from Pearl's boys. It's going to be, this is going to be tough, man, because they don't have Okiki. And I think that adrenaline that's running from the Saturday or the Friday to Sunday is, is it might wear off a little bit. But yeah, I mean, if you ever want to find a city that would stop adrenaline, it's probably Minneapolis. But you're right. I mean, UVA, they haven't busted through. I mean, they were top five, but Ken Palm offense and defense this year, and they've kind of just slugged their way out of the East Regional. They're due for a big one here. Um, and I think it, it could end up being similar to what we saw with Villanova last year. A lot of good hoops this weekend, Father. This is the is it, savor it. Savor it. This is basically like the AFC NFC title game, man. Because after this, after Monday, strictly baseball, which is fine, but or NBA playoffs, but it's not it's not what we live for. 
So yeah, we'll survive. We'll survive. And then uh, this summer will be interesting with, there's still a lot of recruits that need to commit and there's going to be coaching changes. UCLA is pretty much begging for someone to coach their team at this point. So they're like, they're just a disgusting horror on the street corner right now, man. Nobody, they really are. Nobody wants them. They're they're cheap as hell too. Right. Not in a good way, but yeah, yeah, UCLA, that'll, that'll be interesting. All right. Let's get to these last two segments here and round out the show this week in the, I have a bevy of things to say for this week in Twit time. Any awesome final four game, I'm going to go with the Chris Jenkins shot over UNC. You had mentioned that earlier in the show. I don't think that somehow that still doesn't get enough credit as one of the all-time great shots ever in like basketball history. That's all kids dream about is hitting a game-winning, clock-expiring, national title-winning shot. That's all they care about. And Chris Jenkins was able to do that. Lost in that was the Marcus Page insane shot prior to that. Now, that, that that shot was incredible. But Chris Jenkins on this day, what was it, 2016, Jay Wright's first national title, just ripped the roof off of Philadelphia. Certainly did. Certainly did. You got any hugs this week? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a hug to Admiral Schofield just because he – I mean, it's easy to pick on Tennessee that this run, everyone, it's hard to even call it a run. You know, they, they tied for an SEC title last year in the regular season. They never won an SEC tournament. And the furthest they made it was the Sweet 16. They lost to Sister Jean. That was their bracket last year. They should have made it far. And, you know, that's kind of what they've accomplished here. But there is a lot of intangible things that the Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams era accomplished. And that was kind of just resurrecting a Tennessee program that was um, – it, it wasn't dead or anything like that because Conzo Martin had him in a spot in the Sweet 16, but it was it was lacking excitement since they lost Bruce Pearl earlier, you know, going a, a while ago now. But Schofield was the perfect kind of uh, ambassador to get that done. He was – he showed up in Knoxville fat playing on the post and he transformed himself not only as a player, but as, you know, as an athlete into a wing player that could play at the next level. Now he's not going to be a first round pick like our boy Bar- Barstool Reek said a while ago, but Hey, I'm, I'm right about that one. I'm standing, sticking to my guns on that, but he, he, he was a great college basketball player. That's why we love college basketball for guys like Admiral Schofield. And I hope that uh, Grant Williams decides to come back to Knoxville and get us over the hump, but I could see him declaring. Yeah. My hug is going to be for a good amount of Auburn people, right? So first and foremost, I'll start with the fans, Auburn fans. Alabama is always going to be in the national title game for college football or at the very least college football playoff. The best you can do is hope for an absolute embarrassment when they, when they lose. That's what happened this past year in the title game. Clemson beat the hell out of Alabama. So hug for Auburn fans for that. And now they get to follow that up with a final four berth and Avery Johnson was let go from Alabama. Alabama basketball. So a decent time to be an Auburn fan in terms of sports. Number one, number two hug for Charles Bar- Barkley, because he's going to be absolutely hysterical these next, this next week. And that, if you don't want to, if you don't know who to root for, root for Auburn because of Charles Barkley and the TV entertainment, this guy's hysterical and wild when Auburn's like not even a top 50 team. Now imagine if they play in the national title game and win. I also want to give the Bruce per- uh, hug to Bruce Pearl. We've talked about him throughout the entire season of this show. But 
just an incredible coach, one that you want on your sideline, emotional, smart. For the for the amount of credit that he gets for being so emotional and crazy and over the top and, of course, sweaty, he's a hell of a coach, man. The fact that he was able to smoke Kansas and Carolina and then effectively beat Kentucky in overtime but come back from, from that deficit without his best player, one of his best players, is incredible. But very last but not least, I want to give the, a hug to Mike Burgomaster, a Westford native. Now, if you don't know us, Shark and I are both from Westford. We actually coached Mike Burgomaster when he was a little pup. He's all grown now, though. And I like to think that we made a Final Four. We've imparted some, some knowledge, as minuscule as it might be. And this might be the narcissist in me talking. But i got to think somewhere deep down in there, Mike Burgomaster has a little bit of our coaching DNA with him as well. All right. So Mike Burgomaster, hug for you. Congratulations. Represent Westford well at the final four. And to the rest of you, enjoy final four weekend. This is it. Maybe we'll be back next week for another episode. Not sure. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy this weekend.